Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockeiser Ilkovich. We are on episode number three, and I'm here with Taylor Strecker, who's the host of Wake Up With Taylor on Sirius XM. Taylor, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I love podcasting. I do. I'm obsessed with it. We're obsessed with having you here. We're so excited. Thank you. Thanks, of course. So before we get started, our show is called Coffee Break with New York Wiki. You brought your own coffee today. I did. <laughs> Thank from you. From my favorite place. <laughs> what is it? It's this place called Open Kitchen. They're like all around finance district and it's, it's the good stuff. What's your drink of choice? It's normally just an iced coffee with a little bit of cream. Not too much. Too much ruins it. Too little also ruins it. But if I'm like at Starbucks, I actually have the most obnoxious order ever. Tell us. Tell us. My mom literally, when we, when I'm from Massachusetts, so when I go home, uh, I live outside of Boston, she apologizes to the Starbucks people beforehand and she goes like this, I'm sorry, she's from New York. (laughs) Like this is, and I'm thinking we're at Starbucks. I mean, they deal with annoying orders all the time. So this is my order. I like a grande ice soy latte in a venti cup with extra ice. I love that so much because it's almost exactly my order, which is a grande iced Americano half decaf in a venti cup with extra ice. Yes! So you Starbucks, you don't put enough ice in, but then they're getting sued for putting too much ice or not enough, something, whatever. It's a well, crazy I world. think when you order, this is my Starbucks secret, if you order the grande in a venti, you're going to get a venti, usually, actually. It's true. You're it's like, not you're the robbing trip. them a little bit. <laughs> Sorry. I do it all the time, I have to say. <laughs> so tell us the steps you've taken, just college or anything before, for how you got to the job that you're doing today. Yeah. Well, people ask me this a lot, and, like, I'll tell you the long story. But, like, the short story, because people like to hear the short story for, you know, sound bites and clip stuff, is, like, well, basically I was at a bar, <laughs> And my best friend at the time was uh, the receptionist at Sirius, so I would just like socialize with her. And they, someone heard my voice, and they saw me talking, and they were launching Cosmo Radio, um, which is now no more. But I mean, that's what where I got my start um, for Sirius XM. And they were looking for women to host radio shows, but there weren't a ton of women in radio at the time, and they didn't want anyone to overshadow the brand that is Cosmopolitan Magazine. So my programming director at the time, was told by her boss, go to a bar and find, or party, whatever, social setting, and find somebody who's engaging people in conversation, like five plus people, and everybody's equally engaged. And, you know, this set individual is doing a good job of, like, including every single person. That's your radio show host. So I was guess I was doing that. I was probably blacked out when I was doing it. <laughs> and I was, she also liked the quality of my voice. And so she approached my friend and said, I want you guys to audition together for this new show. And so we auditioned for a really, really, really long time. In retrospect, it wasn't that long. Right. But I was working in advertising. So, like, I would leave my dinner breaks to go do auditions. So first it was written auditions. And then it was live to tape auditions but they never went over the airwaves and it took months and months and months but I mean eventually I got the job which was like a dream come true but that was my first radio gig ever I mean I've been at Sirius now for 10 years so I'm like born and raised right there at Sirius but I was very young and I have very little experience so I think you could say that that's a lot of luck and I actually think that luck does have a lot to do with life But I think you have to be open to luck, which some people call being opportunistic, which is actually people, it has a negative connotation, that word, but it's, I don't think it's negative to be open to opportunity. But 
What I don't tell people, they don't get the full story, is I was performing my whole life. So I, when I was younger, I was obsessed with plays. I, I was a singer. I was an actress. So I did plays all growing up, and I sang all growing up performing. But when I went to college, my uncle is a casting director out in L.A. It was San Francisco at the time. And I went out there for summer to intern for him, and he said, you know, I don't want you doing this life. It's, like, the worst. I see men in business suits with, like, kids paying their mortgages with their jobs they hate coming in to these, like, terrible auditions and just getting hit down over and over again. You don't want to be on the talent side. You want to be on the business side of this business. So when I went to college, and I did go to Ithaca College for communications, I was still singing, but it was, like, that became not my focus. I was, you know, I was business minded. I was going to be a producer. And when I got out of college, I was still on that business track and I worked in advertising on the production side, but my heart was still in performing. And so I remember booking talent like for flights, for shoots. And I was like, I want to be the talent. I don't want to be booking the talent. And so it was a lot of luck to how the circumstances came to be, but like I was prepared for it because I had performed my whole life. And then also I had a production background. So I had the skill set to be talent from my passion and my hobbies, but I also had the skill set to like, like that's if I had to do a written audition and I had not had my education from Ithaca's Park School of Communication, I would have been completely lost. Right. So it was definitely the combination of all those things. So there's sometimes people look at me and they're like, especially in the business, like, oh, oh, her, that radio show host, she didn't pay her dues. But it's like, well, I mean, I did and I didn't. I'm lucky, but I was also prepared for when the luck hit, so. And it's such good advice. I mean, to be open to opportunity is one thing that, like, I think a lot of people are not. Like, you could have just been like, you know what? I want to be the talent, but I live in New York, and I'm working this advertising job, and it's steady, and I'm making the money. You also could have, like you said, not been prepared at all because you didn't take the time to kind of keep up with it and stay interested in it throughout, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people do that. And now there's so many opportunities to, like, do creative things, even if you have a boring job. Yes. That I think, you know, that's a great lesson to learn also. Like, you could do this. You could do a podcast, even if you can't be a radio host. Like, you can have a radio show. You can create your own luck, essentially. Right. Which is very different than it was. Let's talk about saying yes. Saying yes Yes. is really important. But sometimes you also kind of need to put the kibosh on things. Say no. Totally. I know. Yeah, but sometimes when you say, oh, God, I hate... I, I actually just recently said no to something that was kind of a big deal. And when I told my manager, he wanted to like punch me square in the face. But I said no because it was a big opportunity. It was super last minute. I felt ill-prepared and I knew I couldn't crush it. And if I couldn't crush it, I felt like it was better to say no and hope that they would come back in the future when they need me than to say yes, go and totally do it. Can I swear? I'm going to let you swear. Totally fuck it up, right? And then and then have them go, that girl's terrible, or she looks like a hot mess, or whatever. Yeah. It, was a, it was a TV thing, and it required me to be knowledgeable on something that I was not knowledgeable on. There wasn't enough time to be knowledgeable because the actual thing itself was like a, about two hours to research. So I said no to something, and I'm still kind of kicking myself. I said no to it. Okay, so you have been at the same company for 10 years. Yeah. But so much, I'm sure, has changed. You've had different bosses. Oh, yeah. You have, I'm sure, like, in general, just the way the big corporation works has changed as well. Uh-huh. How do you approach your boss when you're kind of ready to do more, to take on more, to take the next step? So this is my weakest spot. I'm not really good at this. I kind of started at the top. Entry level, if that makes any sense. I was coming in really young to the company, but I was being given this 
huge responsibility to be a morning show radio show host. So when it comes to like asking for more, I guess the only thing would be like asking for more money. And I am absolutely terrible at that, which is why I hired an agent to do it for me because I saw that that was a weak spot. But that's something that I think is really important that everyone should really like learn how to perfect and get good at. But um, I, I will admit I made a lot of mistakes, I think, with management, like my bosses, my superiors, and also the people I worked with. Like when I wanted change to happen or maybe somebody wasn't doing their job that needed to do their job better. It's weird because I'm in this position of host, but I'm also in a position of manager because, mm-hmm. you know, I have like co-hosts and producers and we all work in my mind equally, but I'm kind of steering the ship. So sometimes like if something's slacking, I'm the one that looks really bad and it falls on me. So I'm the one that has to take care of it. For a long time, I was like mad that management didn't step in and like do it for me. But after 10 years of doing it, I've just learned that the best thing you can do is be 100% transparent and open and clear with your team. That's the way I had to run it. So my team is like a family, Mm -hmm. but it took a long time to get the right people in place. Right. If you have people who aren't willing to operate in the same way, it's impossible to run an honest and efficient ship, if mm-hmm. you will. So patience. Mm-hmm. I just <laughs> waited it out until I could get the right people. Yep. And I and I was good at seeing who was going to be loyal and who was strong and then who was whoever was weak. It was kind of just like waited for them to go away. When you had the wrong people, did you know it and did you do anything about it or did you really just kind of wait it out? Were there conversations or was it just you didn't even know that you could not get rid of them but that you could kind of remove them from the scenario right. to make yourself happier? I, I guess like I would definitely talk to management when there are problems, for sure, and let them know that there was a problem. But like, again, I have no power to fire somebody. I do not I do not run Sirius XM Radio. I am the host of Wake Up with Taylor, which is a show owned by Sirius XM Radio. I've had a lot of co-hosts over the years. I had one person, I'll say person in particular, who thought the show was stupid. And so I said to said person, I'm not going to say gender because people always figure things <laughs> it out. It was him or her. I said to said person, I said, well, if you think this show is stupid, then you should go do a show that's really smart because this show is entertainment. This is not the I'm super duper smart show. This is the we have fun and laugh show. And this person's, I felt, agenda was to always point out how misinformed I was or how stupid I was. And and listen, there's plenty of shows, political shows, where that would be my role. But that's not what this was. And I was carving out a brand for the show that we were building. And it was for Cosmopolitan Magazine. It's about fun and and relating to the audience and speaking to women about your personal experiences. Like, I've never wanted to be in the niche of an expert. It's like, here's my life, learn from my mistakes. Or here's my life, if you think that I did something good, you could follow that as well. I've almost tried to turn the show into like reality radio. Mm So anyway, there was no room in my mind for somebody who thought the show was stupid. So it's like, listen, you can think I'm stupid if you think the show is stupid, but the show's brand is not going to change. So you should go out and you should create your own show that's wicked smart and have a great time. So that person went off and did their own show. Well, it's so interesting because even though you work in radio and it's a little bit different than a lot of people in traditional office jobs, like the lessons are kind of all the same. Like, you know, you have a job that is very specific to a personality and you're working with very specific people and there's a vibe to the show. Like, you're not a victim. You can leave. (laughs) Well, and that's the thing. I remember this one person I worked with was like, you know, I can't work with you because you, like, you need me to read your mind. 
And I was like, well, Kenny can read my mind. Right. <laughs> and that's the thing. And it's like, well, and I can read Kenny's mind. It's just like, so I know that's like a crazy thing to say as a job description, but it it's not reading someone's mind. It's taking initiative and knowing the brand of the show so that you can do your job properly. So... But I kind of said, well, like, I'm sorry. Well, mind reader is partially your job description. I mean, all mind reading is in a job is, like, being open, understanding the cues. Like, it's not actually mind reading, but it's it's being open to understanding. And there's so many nonverbals in radio. I mean, right. we we can't speak about half the things we're doing because we're talking. Mm-hmm. So hand gestures and, like, eye contact and, like, I mean, we signal all the time. So it sounds crazy to say you need to be a mind reader, but... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, if you work with me, you need to read my mind a little bit. I'm reading your mind right now. I'm reading your mind right now. So your job is to be a radio personality. Yes. But you are a personality. You have a website. You have your social media that you own outside of what your your radio station yes. owns. Yes. So how do you manage your time effectively between a full-time job, which you have a non-traditional schedule because you do I a do. morning show, yeah. and all the other things that you have to do? And, you know, do you think about big picture like when does the side stuff you know start to get in the way of what the morning show is yeah well I'll tell you when I first started doing radio it was 12 hour days I was teaching myself radio I was in in the morning doing the show and the amount of prep I was around the office all day long talking to different programming directors and different talent learning from them sitting on their shows so those were that was like for like two or three years that I had to pull like ridiculous like really long office hours but I've been doing it for 10 years now. So it becomes second nature. So as, I mean, what do they say? If you do something for 10 years or like 10,000 hours, you become an expert. <laughs> so I guess I'm officially an expert now. So I think the longer you're in a business, the more of an expert you become a professional at it. And so it becomes more second nature. I'm in that studio for three hours talking. That's like my job job, right? That's where I execute my job. But I have to watch TV, which I love, so it doesn't feel like a job. But I have to read up on current events. I have to check pop culture websites. But these are all things I love. Right. But you have to know them. Like, you really do have to know them for your job. I really do. fun. For the fun. So there is a lot of work that goes into the show prep that once I'm outside of Sirius. I don't have to sit physically at Sirius and do it. When I go home or I go to, like, my new workspace or whatever to work... I kind of am going back and forth between like show prep. Oh, and now I'm like working on the blog. But the beautiful thing that I've tried to carve out with my brand, it's very symbiotic. So when I'm doing something for the website, it actually feeds the radio show. When I'm doing something for the radio show, it sometimes comes back and feeds the blog. So I don't feel like I'm stretched too thin because everything kind of works with synergy upon itself. Mm -hmm. But there have been times where like, you know, I have show prep to do where I have a TV show to watch for an interview and I also have a blog that I, you know, want to get up by the end of the week. And blogs take so long. Yes. People have no idea. They think they're so easy. I mean, the links and the subject matter and then writing it and finding the product at the right price point from the right websites. It's like, you know, but and then also like you have to make sure are they running it low on stock? I mean, it's like the, the smallest details. People are like, it's just like online shopping. It's like no, it's really hard. Right. Like, they, I'm like, I wish I had known how hard this it's was. It's people's full time jobs because I, mean, I really might not have done right. it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, sometimes time management is hard. I don't think I have a great balance between work and personal life right now. It's all work. 
when you have to watch TV for work, it's like starts to almost sometimes not be just fun. not be fun, right? Do you ever take a moment where you're like, tonight I'm watching this movie that I want to watch that has nothing? Can you even do that anymore? Because everything you watch or do or listen to like can be fodder for the show. Yeah, I mean, I I'm very annoying to watch TV and movies with. <laughs> I have one of my best friends. She's always like. I'm like, could we pause? And like, I write notes, or I, then I like want to, or I want to stop and have a full blown conversation about it, which is like almost like in my weird way of prepping for the next day show. It's really hard to separate, but I'm used to it because when I was a major in, when I majored in communications in college, my job, it was like the best thing in the world. They were like, no books, tell your parents you need money for cable. You have, your job's to watch TV. And I was like, I beat the system. <laughs> best but, college ever. But then I realized, oh shit, because okay. then you watch TV and like, you're like, that camera angle is weird. That line is terrible. I just saw the boom mic. It's like, you can't enjoy, you it. Can't enjoy it anymore. So as fun as it is, it takes kind of the joy out of it. So yeah, I, I can't really separate. Do you take vacations? Oh, okay. So I'm newly-ish. It's been a year divorced and my husband was such a traveler. So we traveled all the time. And honestly, I, when I was married, I kind of treated my job more like a hobby than a career, which was a, a waste of time. Um, so I used to take a ton of vacations and that was like my priority, like vacations. So now that I'm out of that frame of mind, now I'm like, I've taken enough vacations for a lifetime. <laughs> So I really don't take vacations. And now what I what's happening is my vacations are turning into work vacations. Right, so work like I went out to LA, but I was covering the red carpet for the MTV Movie Awards. I was working the whole time. My friends all hate me because I never see them, which makes them think I don't love them. I'm just busy. My, my family's annoyed with me because I used to come home all the time. I like never could come home. I'm like, I'm a bit work obsessed right now. But what I've done is I've created a team of people around me that I love so much that it feels like play. Yeah. So... It's, you know, maybe that's why I don't need the vacations as much anymore because I now feel like the work is so fun. It's like all I want to do. It's almost like you did your career in reverse also. I know you worked totally. a really hard job, like in advertising, I mean, long hours and stuff before radio, but it's like because of the nature where your life took you, and I think this is happening to a lot of women now who are like re-entering the workforce, not that you were away, but there's no, so no, many no. opportunities. I was totally checked out. Even though you were working, yeah. you were checked out. Yeah, well, I treated it like a hobby. Like, it was like, this is my fun job and then like but I didn't take it seriously in terms of building a brand and now I'm like oh shit I'm on my own I have to really carve this out and make the best of this opportunity in the situation so yeah it is it, I, I think there's a lot of women that are in this position and I but I think it's a great time for women because I think there's a whole generation of women who didn't see career potential or didn't feel like they had to work. And that, and I think it's great to be a stay-at-home mom. I'm not knocking that at all. I was raised by a stay-at-home mom and I loved as a child having that type of environment to grow up in. But I think purpose is so important. And I'm not saying career is everything. Of course you can find purpose in having children. But I think a lot of moms, when their kids grow up and they have empty nests, it's like, well now what, you know? So I think we're in a really cool time, especially because there is so much more room thanks to the internet for creativity and for women to be more entrepreneurial and start their own small niche businesses that I think it's like you can have the career, you can have the family, and then you can re-enter seamlessly back into the career world. Yeah. So it's, so I, it's empowering for women too. It really is. I, I mean, I was in a situation where I was married where even though I worked, I was definitely not the breadwinner. And I think it's important for a relationship to be equal partners. And so I think when you're both working it kind of can create more of that type of situation. Mm -hmm. And I think with, honestly, with social media now, like if you're staying at home, you're still plugged in and you're still seeing what other people are doing and you're still seeing 
all these opportunities. So it can go either way. One way is like you feel jealous and upset that you're doing one thing over the other and you want to get back into it. Or there's so many things you can do and raise a family. Or if your kids are off to school, like there are a million businesses and jobs. Which is so great. And I think it's like very important for the future of this country. Yeah. Um, and one of my really good friends actually, she built my website. So she was actually the one that forced me to start my website slash blog. Um, and she has a website now. It's called... Um, beautysomething.com and she worked um, in the beauty industry forever. I think she was in beauty PR and then she worked for her family company full-time job and then she really realized she wanted to move to Miami and so, which required her to leave her job with her family and then she also wanted to start her own family and so she knew she wanted to be with her children and be a stay-at-home mom but she also wanted to have a career because she was raised by a mother with a big 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 beauty career and she's figured out how to balance the two and it's amazing you know I mean we'll have conference calls and the kids are in the background and I'm cool with it I'm a woman I get what it's like to have kids it's, it's okay if she needs to take one minute to feed the child and then come back to me I mean, right. she would come to block shoots breastfeeding and I'm like don't whip your boob out I don't care you know and I think also there used to be these like really strict boundaries and lines of what was professional and what was not professional and now that more women are entering the workforce and now that women are starting their more and more businesses they're bringing more empathy I think into the situation and I think it's better I, we're real people, and if we're going to spend all of our time working, then we have to make allowances for people to have hurt feelings at work, people to cry over things. So now is the time in our show where we love to ask our guests classically annoying interview questions. So basically, you probably haven't been on a job interview in like 10 years. I have not been in a job interview <laughs> since I graduated from college, which I was like 22. Okay. So... These are the questions that everyone gets asked on an interview that you're supposed to be prepared to answer on an interview. Right. But they're annoying and often feel like pointless and not related to the job. And we just want to see how women who have really moved on in their careers and are not interviewing would answer these. I'm going to fail. <laughs> I'm going to tell you this at the I end know. if you were hired. Please if you, do. If I'm you could honest. be hired. Okay. So the first one is What is your biggest weakness? You know, I know, I know you're supposed to answer it with like something positive. You know this trick. I know the trick. <laughs> My biggest weakness is that I'm too organized. No, I mean, that's bullshit, but I guess that's what, how I would answer it. Or My biggest, I think my biggest weakness is that I, it, wait, am I, am, I, am, I, am I being honest or am I trying to get the job? You're being honest, being honest. I think my biggest weakness is I take things too personally in business. And sometimes you have to realize things are just business and you got to take emotion out of it. But if I'm trying to get hired, I would say my my biggest weakness is that I'm a perfectionist. <laughs> Hire me. I would say if you were interviewing based on this conversation, your biggest weakness is that you're too good of a multitasker, but sometimes you take on too much or something like that. Yes. yes. <laughs> How does that sound? <laughs> my biggest weakness is that I'm too awesome. I'm too good at my job. I'm just too I'm awesome. Too good. Okay. Where do you see yourself five years from now? In five years, I see myself retired. <laughs> I see myself fired, actually. No, uh, in five years, I see myself at SiriusXM Radio, but also branching out into more um, television. I see myself also growing my website, taylorstrecker.com. And being more of a business owner in addition to doing the radio show. 
that's where I see myself. That's great. And you're on your way. Yeah. Everything you're doing is leading up to that. So we also have collected a variety of really interesting interview questions for big companies. So the big thing now, especially in the tech world, is to ask like complicated or really like thoughtful questions to interviewees, Ugh. which we've gotten some great ones. And this one is from Yahoo, if you were interviewing for a job at Yahoo. If you were on an island and could only bring three things, what would you bring? I would bring... <laughs> Wait, I'm trying to get hired or I'm being honest? You're trying to get hired. Because I was like, the, the truth is I would bring Prosecco. I would bring pizza. And I would bring music. And I would be fine. Amazing. Um, I want to go on your island. Okay, if I'm... So this is me trying to get hired. Uh, by Yahoo. By Yahoo. I would bring a laptop so I could stay connected to friends and family. Also so I could do work because I never want to be not working. Um, Even on a deserted island. On a, yeah, I would, I, you must be productive at all times. And also, a laptop you could be entertainment. I could chart the weather to see if, you know, I have to build a, a hut or something, if there's a storm coming. I guess I'd bring a satellite for Wi-Fi or however that works. I was going to ask, how are you getting Wi-Fi? This is, right. this is how you're getting the job. Because right. Because you un- you're understanding the concept. And I would bring Wi-Fi. With some miracle Wi-Fi that exists that you can bring with you so that I can actually use that device to stay connected. And then I guess I bring some suntan lotion so that I wouldn't, you know, get skin cancer while I'm willing to be saved off the island because I'm going to get saved because I'm connected to everybody. Love this. Yeah, if you're on a deserted island and you have Facebook. Well, maybe water. How about water? I'll hide under a tree. I'll water so I can live. And, uh, and then my Wi-Fi device that doesn't exist and then my laptop. I think you got the job. I think it did too. I think you nailed it. That was amazing. <laughs> like if Tom Hanks had that in Castaway, he would have been with Helen Hunt. <laughs> and that would have been a much happier ending for me. Yeah, me I too. I love a good Helen Hunt happy ending. <laughs> so before we go, we're going to quickly do our lightning round. So I'm just going to give you a few prompts and just say the first thing that comes to your head or the correct answer. So I guess there's no correct answer. Just... Whatever your answer is. So, best job you've ever had? My job right now. Great. Worst job you've ever had? Uh, Working at a carnival selling discounted paintball games. (laughs) Disgusting (laughs) job. Carney. I was a Carney. You were Carney. What's the best career advice you've ever received? Best career advice? Always stay open to networking and don't burn any bridges. And I have burned bridges, but I I have rebuilt some of those bridges. Networking is so much more important. Some really stupid person said this to me, but it actually was correct. She said, it's not what you know, it's who you know, which I thought was very um, entitled and privileged and obnoxious and arrogant. But you, first of all, you do need to know something, but who you know is very, very important in life. And how do you keep in touch with your network? Like, how do you maintain your network? I make them my best friends <laughs> and family. I'm not joking. That's how I do it. After this interview, I'm like, do I get to be your best friend? Yes. Duh, you're in the club. You're in the club. You're in the club. Thank you so much for being on our show today. Of course. Thank, thank you for you having me. so much. This is so much fun. Where can we follow you? Where can we find you? Um, you can listen to the radio show. It's on Sirius XM. Um, it's on Stars Channel 109, 7 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, you can also listen on demand. Please do, because that like helps our uh, it, it helps our look in the building. Uh, you can go to my website, which is Taylor Strecker, 
T-A-Y-L-O-R-S-T-R-E-C-K-E-R.com. I have a blog. Um, I like to do tons of fashion stuff there, so you can check me out there. I also like to do some humorous videos, so everything's all housed there. And then you can follow me on Instagram, at Taylor Strecker. Also Twitter, at Taylor Strecker. And I am on Periscope, at Taylor Strecker, but I'm getting on Snapchat, so follow me there. I'm confused by this thing they call Snapchat, but I will figure it out to keep those kids interested. Reaching all ages, all audiences. Got to, got to, to stay relevant. <laughs> well, follow Taylor. She's amazing and so funny. Thank you for your time, for Thank your you. incredible advice. If you want to learn more information about this show, you can follow New York Wiki on Twitter. It's at N-Y-W-I-C-I. And there'll be more new episodes coming soon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been Coffee Break with New York Wiki. I'm your host, Julie hockheiser Ilkovich. Kylie Harris is our producer. Aaron Matthewson is the sound editor. Alex Fetter wrote the theme. And Rachel Bowie manages marketing. Thanks for listening.